have taken your first step into a larger world. Let's go. Hello there. I'm Rowan Williams. And I'm Baz McAllister. And welcome to Force Material, where this week we're asking, did the Mandalorian ruin WandaVision? Specifically, has the Luke Skywalker cameo at the end of the Mandalorian season two broken our brains and destroyed our ability to just watch a TV show and enjoy it? Um, so, Baz, this is something that, you know, you've obviously watched, uh, watched WandaVision. Yes, every Friday night it's been a lovely ritual. Yeah, and then we're straight into Falcon Winter Soldier. So Friday nights is where it's at in, the, in my household. That's right. So this is, you know, this is a show that we've enjoyed watching every Friday as, as part of their sort of weekly, uh, weekly drop of episodes. With the weekly drop comes theories, speculation, the guessing game, you know, what's, what's going to happen over the course of this series. And I think WandaVision in particular attracted, you know, uh, a lot of speculation and a lot of fan theories. And, and what I've noticed since the WandaVision finale aired is a lot of people sort of expressing this sentiment that something about the way we watch television has changed after The Mandalorian Season 2. So I'll just read you an example of what I'm, what I'm talking about here. So, you know, this is this is a, a tweet that did numbers through the week. Somebody uh, with the handle at the Snyderverse said, no Doctor Strange, no Mephisto, no Quicksilver, no Multiverse, no huge cameo, no aerospace engineer, no Magneto, no Reed Richards, no Grim Reaper, no Nightmare. But all of these were teased by the cast in interviews or the show. The weekly release did WandaVision a disservice in the end. And then a Twitter user named uh, Philip uh, at FDD Shill. Also, this is not endorsements of these people. These could be the worst people in the world. For all I know, I've just seen these, this one tweet. Uh, they could also be lovely. Who knows? Uh the quote tweeted that that uh, that tweet by the Snyderverse and said, "This is what Mandalorian has done to people." Mm. Hey, Philip, Philip, and the Snyderverse, write and tell us if you're lovely or not. <laughs> I mean, I could just have a look at his feed and find out. But the point is not Philip or the Snyderverse. No. The, point is, the point is the sentiment. Uh, the point is what they're saying here, which we've seen expressed by a lot of people over the past week, which is essentially um, that you know, the, the Mandalorian has created this mindset of, you know, I'm expecting this cameo and this cameo and this cameo, and it has to tie into this thing and this thing. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be very mad and disappointed and upset about that. Mm. Do you think there's anything to this? Do you think, do you think this is in some way the Mandalorian's fault? First of all, I, I, th I think someone with the handle, the Snyderverse is, is kind of a bit salty <laughs> taking the show to task. <laughs> <laughs> but I would disagree on two points there. First of all, I don't think all of those things were teased by the cast in interviews or in the show. No. They may have been alluded to, you know, they weren't teased as if they were something that was going to happen and they were owed. And that's, you know, that's the mindset that, that is evolving these days with these fan-oriented TV shows. Um, and that's a whole different conversation. But secondly, 
the assertion that the weekly release did WandaVision a disservice in the end. I simply don't think that's true. This is WandaVision premiered 10 weeks ago. Mm. If, if it all dropped at once, we would not be talking about it now. Mm. You know, like we, it just would not have. I honestly believe that these things that are weekly drops, part of the fun is creating theories and thinking about an episode, letting it sit for a week. You know, I've talked about this, but when we talked about Mandalorian too, like, and just the, the lovely experience of talking to your mates about it and not having to rush to, to binge the whole 12 episodes immediately mm. so that, you know, you, you can't get spoiled. It's, um, it's actually a lovely way of doing it, I think. And it really keeps things around in the consciousness and around the water cooler for much, much longer. Yeah. So, uh, you know, those, those things are, uh, I, yeah, I do I take issue with those points. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in terms of the weekly release, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, you know, we've, t- we've probably talked on this show before. Uh, look at a show like Stranger Things, one of the most popular shows in the world, but when it drops, everybody talks about it for a weekend and then that's it. And even that weekend, yeah. the conversations you can have are pretty limited because you don't know where people are up to in their, in their binge watch or you don't know if they're going to take a few weeks or whatever. So yeah. it's kind of just like, have you watched Stranger Things? Yeah, I'm up to whatever or like, oh, cool, I'm getting to it. And that's kind of the extent of the waterfall conversation, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, whereas, you know, the weekly release, it feels weird to talk about, you know, the way television has always been released as if it's some sort of, like, new and innovative <laughs> thing. But in the yeah. in the, in the the streaming age, I guess it is, uh, you know, and, and it, it has kind of brought back that feeling of, like, you know, everybody's sort of roughly on the same page if they've watched this week's episode. You can all sort of speculate about the same stuff with the same knowledge. Um, you can talk about, you know, react to the same things. Uh, and, and yeah, as it just it just spreads out that conversation over, you know, eight or nine weeks instead of yeah. one weekend, uh, you know, one week in the case of, um, you know, like like Stranger Things or any other, any other Netflix show. So, yeah, I think the... I'm 100% on board with the weekly release. Would I love to be able to just sit down the day that a show like this is dropped and watch every episode at once? Sure. Is that ultimately better, though, for the sort of, you know, the fandom of that show and, and for whoever's making the show? Uh, no, I don't think so. Mm. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk. I guess there's two things to talk about here. So one is, you know, the, the theories and speculation and so on about, about WandaVision and were they merited and did they actually detract from the show in some way when they didn't come true? Um, and then the second thing is, what is the Mandalorian? Like, is it, the, is it is any of this the Mandalorian's fault? Does any of this actually have anything to do with the Mandalorian? So I guess to start with the theories, I mean, let's run down. I mean, obviously that tweet mentioned a lot of them. So what were, what were some of the WandaVision theories that you really... We were both guilty of this as the show aired. We, yeah. we, we, were, we were both all on board with a lot of the theories. The tweets are still up, you know. Our our uh, our clownishness is still there for the world to see. Uh, what were some of the theories that you really bought in on? <laughs> yeah, not only are the tweets there, but there are text message exchanges that could be <laughs> um, used against us in a court of, of law. Oh, but, yeah, uh, the, the tweets yeah. are just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> Yeah, I I was I was a hundred percent on Reed Richards. Um, I I really got convinced on that when, and it was you know I, it wasn't the cast teasing it or anything. It was someone who had noticed that the aerospace engineers seemed to have undue weight given to the mention of them mm. in two episodes by um, um, Monica Rambo. Rambo. Yeah, yeah, 
And uh, and yeah, when, when someone put an article about that up on probably some, I want to say Collider or Vulture or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and I read that and I was like, yeah, it's, it's Reed Richards. It has to be Reed Richards. And then people started fan casting Krasinski. And I thought, well, that makes sense. And the episode where he's going to show up, it's it's the Modern Family slash Office, uh, you know, direct to camera, breaking the fourth wall episode, which is perfect. Yeah. And I was like, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And uh, yeah, they didn't do it. Um, and, I, you know, I, I wasn't disappointed. I was confused, I guess. Um, yeah, about, you know, just the, I, I honestly think that that was a little nod to say, like, we're going to do this by the writers and they didn't do it and i just wonder if part of the show was just playing with people's expectations Mm. um the writers teased a crazy amount of stuff from comics and from the mcu and you know all all kinds of little references and hints in there that i didn't get half of because Mm. you know i'm not heavy into um the the comics i mean you know i'm a big mcu fan but i haven't read obsessively every marvel comic mm. um so I, you know i got probably about half of what was teased there but i think you know the cast were guilty of going on interviews and stoking things up notably bettany when he talked <laughs> about um you know being working with an actor that he's always wanted to work with and there's fireworks on screen and you know blah 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 obviously he was talking about himself we we understood that by the end of episode eight yeah but uh and that was genius but but you know what look i i think this is a show about chaos magic and i think if 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 whoever's show running it if shankman said to the the cast get out there get into interviews and feed them as much rubbish as you possibly can just make chaos um and and try and sort of warp (laughs) people's realities in real life as we do in the show. Um, I think that's, that's great. It's really, you know, it's, it's thematically perfect for what's happening. And, you know, you, you're just playing with these people who think they're smarter than the show is. Yeah. And I, and I don't mind that it's, it's playful. I hadn't even considered that possibility that the, that he actually wanted them to do that. Cause I, I kept thinking of him when I would see quotes like that, and just think, oh, that poor guy. Cause you knew the, the follow-up interview was coming like three days later where he's like playing down expectations or whatever, because like, it's, you know, like the Paul Bettany quote or the, the other one that a lot of people, a lot of people have talked about is the actress who played Monica Rambo, whose name, uh, Tiana Paris, I think. Uh, yeah. She, she uh, did an interview where now I've only seen this quote out of context. So it's possible that in context, it made, it completely made sense, but she did say this one thing that was, that seemed strange uh, where she said, you know, I'm I, something like, I'm so excited or I can't wait for people to see who the aerospace engineer is. Um, yeah. Which added to the excitement around, you know, who's the aerospace engineer. Cause for me, I watched that, that episode, I think twice that week. What episode was that where the aerospace engineer speculation started? Was that episode four? I think I, the speculation started in in probably five. I think four was the first one with with Rambo and and her crew. Okay, um, outside the hex, and I think there was a, a mention then, and then there was another mention directly of the aerospace engineer or my guy is going to meet us behind the ridge or whatever in five and six. Whatever, whatever episode it was that featured, I think it no. must have been five, where the, where the engineer was first mentioned, because that's the only one I've, I would have watched twice, because that was the one that had the crazy yeah. like, Quicksilver cameo at the end. That, 
Yeah. That one, I, I, I only, the first episode through, I didn't even notice anything odd about like the mention of the aerospace engineer or whatever. On the second viewing, I noticed like some of the stuff that I guess sort of sparked all those like uh, fan theory, clickbaity sort of articles, which were that, yeah, she did, she did, they'd kind of made a point of her saying like, I know an aerospace engineer. And then what was odd was like the close up on her phone as she started to type a message. So it's like, oh, they want us yeah. to like, they want us to be thinking about who this aerospace engineer is or, you know, like who she might be contacting here or, or uh, whatever. And then obviously the stuff about that was the same episode, I think, where they started to get into like, oh, your DNA has been affected by the, by going through the, you know, the bubble. So then if you're a Marvel comics fan, Mm. your brain starts ticking over and you're like, hang on, like aerospace engineers, like weird cosmic energy that changes your genetic makeup or whatever. Where is this going? And then the next episode, they mentioned the aerospace engineer again. And so you're like, oh, this is odd that they've teased him, this person two times in a row, two episodes in a row. Um, and then, cause you know, they were on their way to meet him when the, when the bubble expanded. And then at some point in all of that, the speculation starts up hardcore on the internet. The actress says, I can't wait for people to see who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in retrospect, she was probably saying that in terms of like, you know, and again, this is where this is where seeing the interview in context would probably help. But she might have been saying that, like, you know, oh, I, I, I can't wait for you guys to see how wrong you are. I don't, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. But uh, right. and then, and then the next episode, it was just some random. Like, I don't remember the character's name. I think it was in, she. It was someone who knew her mom or something. Yeah, uh, ma- major something. I don't know. Yeah, can't remember the name either. So someone who has significance to Monica, um, mm. but not to, you know, the audience. Like it wasn't a pre-existing comics book char- comic, comic book character. It's also possible the actress thought it was a pre-existing comic book character because the character had a connection to, to her character. Um, and that's where yeah. some, of the, some of the confusion came in. That's right. She did at one point even say, my guy, you know, suggest- I know that's kind of a, becoming a gender neutral mm. word for mm. just a group of people or whatever, but that, that did lead you towards thinking it was a male, which, mm. you know, solidified that theory. And then, as you say, I mean, the John Krasinski fan casting has been in place for years. <laughs> They've, you know, the, the Reed Richards in the comics has looked like John Krasinski for a while, um, much like how uh, Nick Fury started looking like Sam Jackson way before they actually <laughs> cast uh, Sam Jackson. Um, so, you know, all the, all the pieces were there. And then that episode where they finally met the, you know, where they finally uh, were going to meet the aerospace engineer was called Breaking the Fourth Wall. So, again, it's like, well, is that number four in there? Is that, a, is that, a, is that meaningful? <laughs> and it's like, no, no, none of that was meaningful. They were just meeting a random person who had a random truck uh, that didn't end up doing anything very useful. And the whole thing. Yeah. And and the thing is, and that that's where it's like, where is the where does the show end and the speculation start? Because if you were just watching the show week to week, like I only noticed anything about the aerospace engineer because I rewatched that Quicksilver episode. Like, and then I started seeing the theories pop up. Had had I just watched each episode as it aired once week to week and not read any speculation on the internet, I don't think I even would have thought there was anything odd about the aerospace engineer. Uh, I don't yeah. think that even would have jumped out at, to me at, at all. Like, I really don't think they drew that much attention to it. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess that's kind of what we're talking about is like, you know, which of these things were actually merited by the show and which of them were people just reading outside information into it. I mean, Mephisto is another one, right? So 
Yeah. Everyone's yeah. expecting Mephisto to show up because in the comics he's, he's you know, appeared in storylines that were connected to Wanda and were similar to this one with Wanda living in the suburbs and stuff and... You know, and then and then the theories start going into overdrive. There's the there's a you know the, after the episode where she goes into uh, Agatha's house, there were theories like, well, you know, you see that fly on the wall, and when Mephisto first appeared in the comics, he was a <laughs> yeah. fly, and it's like that's where a little knowledge can be a bad thing because it's like, well, no, that that's a cicada, and secondly, <laughs> like the the. <laughs> That whole, that whole thing about like, well, when Mephisto first appeared in the comics, he was a fly. That got really out of hand because that's that's not really. I mean, when Mephisto first appeared in the comics, it was like the '60s, and he was Mephisto. It was only like a very recent storyline where they sort of flashed back to the origins of Mephisto and stuff that that he was ever portrayed as like a fly for a panel. Um, it was it was not a big enough thing to pin like a whole, you know, well, Mephisto is definitely going to be in the show um, theory on. Uh, and then, but then, you know, you pair that with Paul Bettany saying like, there's an actor coming up, you guys, mm. someone I've always wanted to work with. The chemistry is electric. And then you go, okay, well, who's, who's Paul Bettany always wanted to work with. And then people are Googling, you know, like Paul Bettany, favorite actors, whatever. And yeah, it, it, it turns out Paul Bettany's mentioned in interviews in the past that he's always wanted to work with Al Pacino. And so then you go, okay, well, it must be Al Pacino. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and who would Al Pacino play in the Marvel Universe? And then, you know, there's interview, old interviews with Al. You fall down a rabbit hole. There's old interviews with Al Pacino where he's like, I've talked to Kevin Feige about being in a Marvel movie. Why not, you know? And then you think, yeah. well, who, who would Al Pacino play in, in the Marvel Universe? And you go, well, he's already played the devil, devil's advocate. What if... Al Pacino, <laughs> Mephisto, it all makes sense. I've solved it. And then, and then, you know, Al Pacino doesn't appear in the show. Fucking obviously, in retrospect, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I remember saying to someone, um, well, you know, he's in, he's in Hunters. He's That's in an exactly, Amazon Prime show. I, I had that exact conversation. With, I was like, because someone told me, like, I, was, I had this, was talking about this with someone and they're like, do you really think Al Pacino is going to make an appearance on this show? And I was like, well, he's in an Amazon Prime show that is less popular than this show. Like, it's not as yeah. show. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you followed Al Pacino's career lately, but like. It's going about as well as Bruce Willis's. Yeah, exactly. The star of The Godfather and Heat, etc., appearing in WandaVision, maybe not. The star of Righteous Kill appearing in WandaVision, sure. Why not? That, yeah. that, seemed, <laughs> that seemed plausible to me. Uh, but, yeah, look, obviously, no. There was no... There was no uh, no Pacino. I was even I was even going like, who else could play the devil? Who else would be a big enough git to play the, the, the Mephisto that that yeah. Paul Bettany's raving about in an interviews? And I'm like, oh my god, what if what if they what if they pull Jack Nicholson out of retirement? What if they you know like what's the biggest name you could think of to play the devil? And it's like Mark no, Hamill. Mark, what if they what if yeah you know? Yeah. And then people are like, there's a Luke Skywalker level cameo, and it's like, but. The cast House never of said, Mark Hamill. House of Mark Hamill, exactly. <laughs> Mark Fisto. The cast never even said that there was a Luke Skywalker level cameo. But that that was another thing that got out of hand where I think someone teased an appearance or something coming up, and then whoever wrote the article put the headline on it like there's a Luke Skywalker level cameo. I'm pretty sure none of the cast ever used Luke Skywalker as a as a reference point for no, but I, th- I think it was someone extrapolating from what Bettany had said about 
mm. someone he's always wanted to work with. So you automatically think that's someone older than Bettany, someone who's been working since Bettany was young. Mm. That's got to be a big name. You know, that's what you, th- you start thinking. And I think that whoever wrote that has, yeah, extrapolated that from it. Yeah. Do you think... Mm. Do you think that, you know, having those theories in mind and then obviously, you know, seeing the show and none of that stuff happening, um, did it detract from your enjoyment of of the show and of the finale at all? I'd have to say no. Uh, the, the, the failure to materialise of all those theories did not detract from my enjoyment of the show, but I, I do feel that, you know, I've criticised The Mandalorian for having some some little problems here and there that kind of throw me off balance mm-hmm. and one division sort of had a similar thing. Like, you know, I'll, I'll go on record as saying I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a really significant television event. Um, it shows you what's possible with these Marvel sh- uh, series going forward. And I'm on, on board for all of them. I think it was great, but there are some things like, like in Mandalorian, I sort of said, how do these tracking fobs work? I just couldn't get my head around how tracking fobs worked. Mm-hmm. If you remember back when, when we were talking I do. through right. season yeah. stuff. Yeah, it feels like it was a lifetime ago, but I remember. Yeah. And I, I just in one division, I, I just thought, well, we've got the FBI, we've got S.W.O.R.D. Why has no one thought to contact the Avengers and say, can you talk your friend down off the ledge here? Mm. You know, so I, I just thought, well, it would have been sensible for one of the Avengers to come and try and open a dialogue with Wanda. Um, and I just don't understand in universe why that didn't happen. And it was things like that that I kept thinking through. And, and you know, uh, Rambo being so, somehow kind of pretty cool about getting powers mm. right away rather than just freaking out and going, mm. what's happening to me? Or my genetic makeup has been torn apart. Mm. You know, it's things like that, that that pushed me off balance about this show. Um, and, you know, the fact that it, it essentially devolved into a third act energy battle with yeah. purple and red beams. Um which was just disappointing based on where the show had gone up until that point with the conceit of the sitcom thing, which I thought was brilliant throughout. And I loved mm. the way that it, you know, it, it dovetailed into the mystery of what was going on with the show and mm. whether or not Wanda was the main big bad. Mm. Yeah, all that stuff was fantastic. The, the emotional journey of both Wanda and Vision and the kids and the storyline was brilliant. And even the B plot thing, outside the bubble was quite good, but I think those characters were underused. Mm. Um, you know, Rambo and Jimmy and, and Darcy. I would have mm. liked to have seen a lot more from them, particularly from Darcy, because she just basically Ben Kenobi's as soon as she goes inside the hex. Like, she doesn't do anything else, you know? <laughs> I mean, didn't she... She did something in the last episode, didn't she, to help save... Yeah, well, she she pulled up in a car and rammed... Um, That's right. Hay- ...Hayward as he was trying to get away, but I maintain that Hayward... He, he was an asshole, but he didn't really do a lot wrong. I don't know why he's being arrested. Okay, there, you know, I, th- I thought I was going crazy. There were no, there, there were there were a lot of things in the last episode that, even though I, lo- I, 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 same as you, I'm, I, I really enjoyed the show overall. A lot of things in the last episode that didn't really add up for me, and and not even this particular theory wasn't paid off or whatever. I'm not even talking about that. I'm j- I'm just I'm just talking about stuff that like didn't seem to make sense within the established world of the show. So like, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what Haywood was being arrested for because I'm like, I get that the audience, we as the audience don't like him. And he's sort of your your classic like government stooge with, with shady intentions or whatever kind of, you know, character we've seen a million times before. Um, 
which is one of the reasons I think people were sort of tying all sorts of speculation to him because, you know, this is this is the thing with some of this speculation. It's like, oh, well, if this isn't this character or this thing or whatever, it's just this kind of dull trope we've seen a lot of times before. Mm. And that was that was Haywood. It's like I think people were speculating about him because the alternative is that he was as boring as he appeared to be on screen. And ultimately, yeah, yeah he, he was. Well, look, he did. I'll give I'll give him this. He did try and shoot two kids, but those kids did not exist. Those kids didn't exist. <laughs> you know, you can't, you to, can't to be the arrested best of for, his knowledge. You can't be arrested for shooting fictional kids. What is this? Yeah, uh, and he did. He, he did um, put Vision back together, but the government knew he job. was doing that. That, that was, was his, his job. Yeah, exactly. So you know, even if that's, I mean, it, it might be morally questionable. It might be against the Sokovia Accords, whatever. But you know, a couple of cops on the scene aren't going to know. Yeah, <laughs> you know that that would involve a massive tribunal, and you know, th- yeah, they're not going to know that that's a wrong thing to do and just haul them away. And he's going to pull rank from them. I, ju- I just, it's mystifying. It's satisfying for the audience, but it's mystifying in in universe again. I guess um, it relates to like Jimmy Woo at the start calling. It probably does make sense in the context of the episode. I, I just remember being a little bit surprised by it and being like, but, but yeah, you guys knew he was building the vision. Like that's. Mm. That wasn't like he was doing that at Sword. There were other people at Sword who were part of it. Like this isn't new information. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was all a bit strange. And then and in the end, Wanda just walked away and let him continue to do it. So you know, she gave tacit approval to that. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't steal the body in the end. She she just went away and said, "Well, do what you want." Yeah. Now he definitely did something at the start of the episode that made. That made Jimmy Woo call up his FBI friends. I just can't remember what it was. So I'm mm. gonna I'm gonna say that that's a case of me not paying attention rather than the show not making sense. But it, you know, well he did, he tried to. I suppose he tried to kill her in a drone strike. Um, but again, that's his job. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a it's not an arrestable offense. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked on him. But uh, <laughs> yeah, in, ter- in terms of in terms of cameos and stuff, no, like. The last episode, I didn't sort of feel ripped off that we didn't see anything. And I remember before that the episode aired, you and I were sort of like, well, those theories are out the window, that's out the window, that's out the window. There's too much to cover in the last episode. We might see Doctor Strange. That's about all we can kind of, I guess, hope for in terms mm-hmm. of cameos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when there was a, a mid credit scene, I was like, oh, maybe this is the Doctor Strange scene. And no, it's not. And then I watched to the end and, and I was like, oh, there's a final. Maybe this has got to be the Doctor Strange scene. <laughs> and it wasn't. But, you know, it did have the astral projection and the the learning from the spell book and everything. So it's, yeah. it's quite Doctor Strangey. It's it's a reference, certainly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, but I just sort of went, oh, okay. Um, not, not sort of disappointed that he didn't turn up, but a bit weirded out that, I guess what we've come to expect from Marvel was not adhered to mm. in a way. It's, it's just, you know, you, you have to re- retrain your brain to go, well, WandaVision's not a movie. Yeah. So we, you know, it's doing things a bit differently and that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. It was interesting that, you know, ultimately for a show that people were talking about in terms of, you know, this is a mystery box type of show. Like what are we, what's, what's going on here? You know, like there really weren't any particularly crazy twists or reveals over the course of the series. I don't think um, mm. like if you, if you step back and kind of go, okay, well, when the concept of the show was first announced, like when we first saw footage from this, 
of wonder and vision living in their sort of idealized 50s suburban house. Weren't we all, like, especially, you know, if you've read the comics and stuff, weren't we all thinking, oh, wonder has been driven crazy by the vision dying and has created her own idealized reality. Like that was what we all thought was happening from the beginning. So yeah. the fact that ultimately that's what it was, was kind of like, oh, so the mystery was, you know, the friendships we made along the way, I guess, you know, like it wasn't, there was no mystery really. Um, and that's, so then it comes down to like, yeah, are you watching the show for what happens or how it happens? You know, because the performances were great, like, and the way that that story of like, like, it's one thing to sort of pay lip service to the idea of like, well, Wanda's very sad because the vision died or whatever. But then the way that the show actually like explored that and explored, you know, particularly that second last episode, which I think was the strongest of the whole season. And I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it was great. Because what is the last episode of a season, if not the second last episode persevering? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, going back going back to her childhood and, and, and you know, seeing basically just what an incredibly messed up life this person has had and how that's ultimately manifested over the course of this, this series, that, that was all great. And that's where you kind of go, okay, well, at this point, and that's why I think we had both decided before the finale like when we were when we were messaging each other about it that there weren't going to be any huge you know mephisto level cameos because like after that second last episode any of those cameos really would have detracted from the point of the show like mm-hmm. if you if you then have mephisto go up and go haha actually well i guess it was al pacino you know show up and go ha actually <laughs> it was it was me all along then you kind of go like well <laughs> then that completely undoes the point of what I've just been watching for, you know, eight hours or whatever it was. Um, yeah. So that that completely undermines, like, Wanda's, you know, Wanda's agency and, and, and uh, you know, Wanda's role in her own story. Um, yeah. So, yeah, in that, in that sense, I think by the time we got to the finale, the, a lot of those cameos are already out the window. <laughs> Talking about arresting someone in the finale, I, I honestly think Wanda got away pretty lightly (laughs) (laughs) you know like in the end it wasn't Agatha Harkness that did anything really it was Wanda created the reality Wanda kept the whole town hostage Wanda made them do things against their will yeah Um, Agatha Agatha all along was a bit of a yeah red herring or or just a uh, a bit of self-aggrandizement because she really didn't do much uh she was very much a spectator to yeah, and a, and a mild level tinkerer. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like w- Wanda has done unspeakably bad things to these people. Yeah. Um, you know, any, any kind of mind control over someone is, is pretty reprehensible stuff. And then at the end, she just flies off. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's particularly someone who is guilty of the Lagos tragedy, mm. um, you know, d- just doing something, on a similar level and then getting out of Dodge at the end mm. um, to live in the mountains or whatever. It's just, but then you think back to that second last episode and you go, well, she's had a hard life. She's had a hard no, life. No jury in the land would convict. Well, um, I don't know about that. But, I mean, I, I'm glad you raised that. Cause yeah, the, the one scene in the finale that I hated, hated, hated with a passion and I'm surprised has not gotten sort of more blowback online or whatever is the scene where she talks to, but Monica Rambeau when she's leaving town and she goes, um, uh, those people will never know what you sacrificed for them. 
And it's like, yeah, I'm sure they're playing the world's smallest violin right now for the lady yeah. who, you know, kept them hostage in their own minds uh, uh, for, like, how long did this go on? Like a, a, oh, must a be week, a couple of weeks? Week, uh, yeah, probably a couple of weeks, yeah. Um, you know, uh, who, who, I'm trying to think of a better word than this to use. Uh there are issues around consent, let's just say. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, I'm sure they're very sad that her husband who was already dead is dead again and that her kids who don't exist are also dead. Uh, I'm sure that completely makes up in their minds for what they've what they've been through. Uh, so, yeah, I was not a fan of that and I was not a fan of Monica mm. just sort of saying like, well, if it was me, I would have done the same thing. It's like, oh, cool. So you're a supervillain too, I guess. Like, why are we, you know, like uh, you you would have held a town uh, captive against their will and entrapped them in their own minds so you could live out your, like, I I, I just, yeah, WandaVision, Wanda got off so lightly for what what she did. Uh, And the other weird thing about that is, you know, her husband who was dead and is now dead again, he's not. I mean, in theory, the vision has had all his memories and everything re- restored and he's just flown off. Mm. Um, does she doesn't know, know that though. Yeah. She does, you know, maybe doesn't know he's alive, but it, yeah, you, you would, you would think that she'd be more concerned with that if she did, or if she had, any yeah, kind I, of I don't think that, she, I don't think she knows that. I think vision deliberately didn't tell her that because, mm. you know, we've seen how obsessive she is about vision that, that it but, feels like that would end badly. You know, we, we've seen how concerned she was about the the synthesoid body. Doesn't mm. she? Isn't she a tiny bit curious about where the synthesoid body is now? Mm. She saw White Vision show up. Mm. It's very hard to destroy vibranium. So you know, she mm. must be wondering what happened to that, mm. and wondering yeah. maybe whether she could try and resurrect him again. Or you know, you can't just. I know she's been on a journey, but you can't just leave it like. <laughs> Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it just comes down to like, like Monica in that last scene, I hated that dialogue, but at the same time, I guess it's like, well, what's she going to do? Like good luck arresting Wanda and holding her accountable for any of this. Like no one is powerful, you know? And that's why I thought by probably in terms of where this sits in terms of the overall, um, Marvel story, I, I kind of thought this episode was setting Wanda up to be the villain of yeah. the next phase of Marvel movies. And then at the end, she kind of gets off consequence free and doesn't seem like she's being presented as a villain going forward. Oh, I suppose there's a little bit of ambiguity there with the way she kind of seemed to take pleasure in trapping Agatha and um, whatever the hell happened to Agatha now that the bubble's gone down. So when I thought the episode was setting Wander up to be, you know, they were sort of going like the darker than Scarlet route and you know the the dark phoenix style route and having her being the villain going forward i thought that was really interesting because she would have been a really good conflicted understandable likable villain mm. well i still think the the seeds of that are very much there in that very last scene she she appears to hear her children calling out to her yeah um and uh, you know the children are figments of her imagination they never existed but if someone like mephisto could convince her that her kids were real and did need help he could get her to do anything Mm. So uh, that could be a really powerful way of getting Wanda to become a villain just by using the promise of those children against her, even though they never existed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that you know so that's still in play. Very that's much still so. on the table, I guess. Yeah. Mm. What What did you think of? Um, you know, obviously the Quicksilver thing. Of all of all the fan speculation 
Mm. Uh, you know, and I, I saw, I think there was, a, I think I want to say Collider, but there was an article going around from somebody uh, this week that was basically kind of making fun of the fan speculation and saying like, you know, weren't you guys so stupid for thinking these things were going to happen instead of just like enjoying the show or whatever. And like, okay, sure. The Quicksilver thing is straight up gaslighting though. Like the, yeah, the, the, the quick, the Quicksilver thing is like to act like the fans were the crazy ones for thinking that was hinting at like a multiverse. Uh, no, like it's fine. Like they can, they can do what they did and, and, and turn it into a, a dick joke or whatever in the, in the finale and, and uh, reveal that he's actually this random Ralph Boner character. Um, yeah. But like to act like that was never like the the fans were in the wrong for thinking that that might have been hinting at the multiverse is a a bit much because ultimately it, they're like oh what a great joke Marvel and it's like okay but like the joke is you thought we were going to do something cool and then we didn't mm. aha and it's like I don't know if the joke's on us in that scenario because like you could have done something cool and you didn't like, so like they, they could have, you know, like they, they could have, um, it seemed like they were opening up the multiverse with that. I mean, the implications seemed to be that, you know, Wanda had, had somehow altered the fabric of reality to the extent that she had like cracked open a door in the multiverse or whatever. Um, you know, and then the question became, well, how did he get there? Why is he playing along with this, etc.? And even once you go, well, Agatha was controlling him. It's like, okay, but where did he come from? Like, there's still room for that to be, for him to somehow have come from, you know, another reality. Uh, but obviously, in the end, I guess we're just saying Agatha gave him superpowers, either either actually or as an illusion, um, uh, and he's just some guy. Uh, yeah. And the, and the that seems to directly point away from the existence of the multiverse, mm. because how is some random guy who just happens to be in this town um, when Wanda takes over the spitting image of her brother's, you know, multiverse counterpart. Mm. Yeah. So if there is a multiverse now, it's like super weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird on a level that, you know, human torch is going to look like Captain America, you know, yeah. that <laughs> level of weird. <laughs> so in a way, the multiverse has been in place since, since before Chris Evans was cast. as. I, Cap- guess, I guess so. <laughs> but then it's like, you go, well, I guess, you know, if you, well, it's funny because if you, I know it's been ages since there was another Marvel project before this, but if technically, if you're just looking at Marvel releases in order, unless I'm forgetting a big one, this is the second one in a row that's done the, there's a multiverse psych, there's no multiverse uh, rug pull with Mysterio in um, Spider-Man Far From Home. And then there was like, because of obviously the coronavirus, there was nothing for like 18 months. And then. WandaVision. Um, yeah. And then WandaVision does the same thing. Now, in Far From Home, I think everybody and their mother knew that Mysterio was lying about being from the multiverse from the beginning. But in this one, I think a lot of us thought he was, you know, it would make more sense than not for him to be from the other X-Men reality. Why do you think they're doing this? What is what is the long the long game of teasing the multiverse and then, to, and then yanking it away? Is it the boy that cried wolf? Is it, you know... <laughs> <laughs> when, when they eventually do it, we're sort of not going to believe it until it's on top of us. And I, mm. I have no idea. Um, I, I think I saw, I think it was Matt Shankman in an interview saying that they were trying to do something on the scale of Iron Man 3 Mandarin reveal. But everyone hated that. I didn't hate that. I like that. Um, yeah. 
but uh, but I can see why people would hate that because they don't like to feel duped. Um, yeah. And I guess you know the Mephisto thing is probably an even better execution of a similar um, way of doing this. But this Ralph Boner thing just fell flat with me, as it were. <laughs> it flopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> it was uh, flaccid for sure. I um yeah. I I I liked the Mandarin thing as well. Uh, it's one of the only things I did like from Iron Man three, which is not one of my favorite. Yeah. Just because I thought Ben Kingsley's performance as like the actor playing the Mandarin was hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, that was great. And I love, yeah, I love the idea of this sort of, you know, paper uh, villain, but yeah, I thought that was like so widely despised among the fandom. Didn't they make like a short film going like, ah, oh, we, it's, we were teasing it. There actually is really a real Mandarin. And like, I, yeah, I'm surprised that they would, like choose to go down that route again after knowing how much it annoyed fans the last time. That is, that is odd. I mean, talk about, you know, subverting expectations or whatever. That's, uh, that's up there. Yeah. Man, that line of Darcy's, she recast Pietro. Mm. That, that's probably what, you know, makes you think all the more that this is what's happening. This is the multiverse thing. And it, this goes back to, you know, why did, why did fans think Haywood was Mephisto? Why did fans think there was more of an explanation to um, Westview than, um, than just uh, Wanda went crazy and, 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 and did it? There's this thing of like, well, the show feels like it's meant to be a bit of a, you know, there's, we're unfolding a bit of a mystery here. So the explanation for these things can't just be what is obviously presented by the characters from the beginning. And so in that case, yeah, when, 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 uh, yeah, when Darcy says what well, they recast Pietro, it's like, okay, well, that's not what's actually happening. Like it's, it's the, it's the multiverse. And then in the end, it's like Agatha recast Pietro. Like that's, that's what happened. Like Darcy called yeah. it from the, from the very beginning. So yeah, stuff like that, I think is, is kind of, is kind of weird where it's yeah. like, all right, well, the show wasn't misleading in that sense, I guess it told you what was mm. happening. It made it clear what was happening. It's just, what was happening was kind of not as interesting as what it could have been. Mm. When it's revealed that, um, you know, the whole thing happened in Westview because that's where vision bought the, the plot of land. Mm. Um, again, I just find that like really vision. That's where you want to retire. <laughs> like you're a, you're a multi-billion dollar robot. Just cut off your little toe, sell it on the black market and buy Tony Stark's, you know, penthouse. <laughs> like, Seriously, do you think that's going to impress Wanda? That's that's worse than Sokovia. <laughs> See, no, I w- I would argue I would argue that was actually you know it's a very romantic gesture on the Vision's part because he understands that that's you know for Wanda that's like the ideal life that's the life that she grew up dreaming about in you yeah. know American sitcoms and stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I see what you're saying. For but yeah. that's that's sort of pulled you know in the in the comics in the old uh, like Vision and Scarlet Witch miniseries from the 80s they move into like a suburban home that's kind of similar yeah. to the one in the show. So that's is it in is it in Jersey? It might be. I can't remember. Is it? I mean, I don't think I can ever find New Jersey romantic. Like, I, apologies to American listeners. <laughs> So what do we think about this idea then? So we've established we liked WandaVision, had some qualms with the finale. Um, I'm still confused about what happened to Agatha. I don't know if I'm alone in that. Uh, So Mm. Wanda turned Agatha back into like quirky, nosy neighbor Agatha, but then she turned the town back to normal. So is Agatha now the only person in town 
who's still doing the wacky sitcom shtick and all the other neighbors are just like, get a load of this chick. She's so annoying. Yeah. Uh, and does, does everybody else remember what happened? And wouldn't they be like, Agatha, snap out of it. Like it's, it's over. <laughs> uh, so, and if she has that level of control, why doesn't she just, like if she can make one person still be acting out the WandaVision thing, why, like why doesn't she just, why doesn't she just yeah. put up a bubble around her house or around her cabin in the woods or whatever? I don't understand any of that. But anyway, that is what it is. Uh, that's that's the show. That's WandaVision. Um, enjoyed it. Would watch your season two, obviously, if they were to make it. Mm. Um, but it looks more likely that it was, you know, ultimately a lead into whatever happens with Wanda in yeah. Doctor Strange. And the see again. The, the, sorry, just we we know no, and yeah. have known since the beginning that she's appearing in Doctor Strange and the, what is it, the Multiverse of Madness. Yes. You weren't crazy for thinking that Quicksilver was tied into the multiverse. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just I honestly think they've got some Pablo Hidalgo level Marvel nerd sitting in behind the scenes going, well, we could put this on the wine bottle and that'll really mess him up. And we could, <laughs> uh, let's get Emma Caulfield because she played a witch or, so, or a demon or something. So let's get her. And people will think like she's a crazy big, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's all these little things and misdirects. That, but, you know, as I said, it's a show about chaos. So I don't mind. I don't mind being punked once. <laughs> But Falcon and Winter Soldier better not do this. <laughs> well, that's uh, one of the reasons I'm looking forward to Falcon and Winter Soldier is like we can't possibly come up with the same level of of ridiculous fan theories for Falcon and Winter Soldier because, I mean, it looks like it's just a really straight-ahead buddy cop action show. Uh, so I will be curious to see how we manage to uh, come up with the same mm. level of ridiculous speculation for that show. Well, I think I think the main villain of Falcon and Winter Soldier is Emphis Nest. And she's been she's been ported over in a multiverse a multiverse situation. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, that's one of the things I'm most excited about that show for. And I honestly like as much as um, just thinking about what Star Wars has in the slate. As much as I like Cassian Andor, I'd much rather have an Emphis Nest show. Yes, yeah, and Aaron Kellyman's right there. Like you know, she's right there. You cast her in something else. Yeah. Um, do that anyway. Yeah, I'm sure she'll be great in this. <laughs> yeah, I am really looking forward to the Cassian show, but I know, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. There's other things on the slate where I'm like, could we not have done an Enfys Nest show instead? Maybe we will eventually. Who knows? I so, you know, they're they're both like a Nest show and a Cassian show would both be about the birth of the rebellion, I guess. Yeah, but, true. They're exploring you know, the same kind of territory. But the Cassian show is like, I guess, the born identity, whereas an Enfys Nest show, show could be like, you know the ira kind of thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> more, more about more about extremists and freedom fighters and where's the line and you know yeah whereas I, I think that's a little bit more easy to find in a casting show like where's the line well he's already you know he kills people and <laughs> does, does, doesn't really care about it so he doesn't seem he's been conditioned since he was six anyway we're getting off topic <laughs> <laughs> so the mandalorian's role in all of this this idea that this is the Mandalorian's fault that that the mm. the Luke Skywalker cameo has led fans to ruin things for themselves by expecting their fan theories to come true, and then when they don't, they they can't enjoy what is actually presented to them instead. How do you feel about this? <sighs> nah, <I'd, laughs> I I love the Luke cameo, but I don't expect that from every show. 
and uh, I don't think anyone should. It's um, it's a ridiculous thing to expect. I mean, when it's when that kind of thing is teased at you, you you do think, oh well, maybe you know there is something going on here. Um, but at the end of the day, it didn't sort of diminish. You know, the lack of that sort of thing didn't diminish my enjoyment of One Division one bit. In fact. I think looking back on the Luke cameo, it was an amazing moment in TV, an amazing moment in, in to be a Star Wars fan, but it did feel a bit deus ex machina. Mm. Um, how are we going to get them out of this? You know, let's get Luke in there to tear everything apart and, and uh, sort it all out. So when, when you think about it, it's narratively a little bit weaker than what WandaVision was doing. Mm. which is, you know, a very character-based story about grief, and it doesn't sideline the major characters right at the end. Mm. You know, it's it's sort of in, in the same way as Rogue One becomes about Darth Vader in the final minutes. Mandalorian became about Luke Skywalker in those few minutes and, mm. and didn't really become about the Mandalorian. Mm. So I, I don't think WandaVision ever strayed from its focus on on Wanda, which was good. So, uh, so yeah, I... I don't know where I'm going with this, but uh, <laughs> I don't think I expected that kind of thing, and, and yeah. will not from from the from this point on. Yeah, I think I think the Luke thing is really interesting in terms of what what you talked about with was it like an organic part of the show? Like, was it part of the narrative, or did we just kind of sideline the main characters for a minute to have to have Luke take over? Because the the reading that a lot of people have taken is like, well, yes, that is that is what happened. I think we probably need to give it a bit more credit than that in terms of mm. I feel like the Luke appearance actually was more organic than people remember or not you specifically, but just like I remember like when the finale aired, who's that guy on that film Crit Hulk or whatever his name is on Twitter went on this big rant yeah. about like, oh, this was so unearned and, and it, came, <laughs> it, came out of, it came out of nowhere and whatever. And I'm like, well, there was an entire episode setting this up i could see it feeling like it came out of nowhere if like you just watched the finale but mm. in the context of that season i mean the start of the season was like you're going to go and reunite grogu with this with this people you know we weren't sure if that meant the jedi or other other yodas but it turned out it meant the jedi he then you know is trying to meet people who can sort of give him an in with the jedi all of his quests ultimately were about finding the jedi in season two he you know, episode seven, I think it is the Boba Fett episode. The whole point of that was to take Grogu to this mountaintop where he would call out to the Jedi uh, and make a connection with, with one of them. So when people kind of say, well, Luke came out of nowhere at the end of, of season two, it's like, well, no, like there was a lot of stuff in the show setting up his mm. appearance. If anything, for me, the only, the only, you know, the only knock about his appearance in the final is that his appearance is only surprising for sort of out of universe, real world reasons, you know, like, Oh, would they go as far as putting Luke in the show or, you know, would they get Mark Hamill to agree to be in the show? Would they de-age him? What would they do? Those sorts of questions in universe. Of course, Luke came for him. Like, yeah, he's the main Jedi in the galaxy at, at this point in the timeline. Grogu called out to the Jedi two episodes prior and was like, Hey man, come get me. Of course, Luke was there like that, that it wasn't out of, it wasn't unorganic in, in that sense. And I think the, the, in terms of the main characters being sidelined, I think the difference between that and a rogue one where 
I kind of did feel like the main characters were a little bit sidelined by that final kind of Darth Vader action sequence. Well, I suppose the same argument applies to Rogue One. But in The Mandalorian, like ultimately what what The Mandalorian did, like his his character arc was he took on this mission, he kind of bonded with this baby, and ultimately the baby became the most important thing in the galaxy for him. He, he mm. completely invested in this baby and in getting this baby to where it needed to go. And he took a leap of faith, essentially. Him being on that bridge at the end of season two is the culmination of that leap of faith. Whether he is then able to single-handedly defeat all those troopers and deliver the baby to, to you know, wherever it needs to go. To me, that's not relevant. The point is that he's, he's there because that's the culmination of his arc in season two. Mm. Then Luke comes and saves the day, which is, which is great. But it, to me, that doesn't sort of cheapen what the Mando did to get there or take away from that story arc. It was just a really, really cool moment at the end of season two. Yeah. In terms of how does that affect other shows going forward, fans have had these sorts of wild theories forever, right? Like that's not the Mandalorian's fault. No, it's not. I I do remember when we were sort of theorizing midway through season two about who the Jedi could be. um, And we were like, could it be... Uh, Cal Kestis, you know, he's around. Mm. Could it be, is Quinlan Vos still alive? Is he still on the light side? Mm. You know, of course it was always going to be Luke. It was always going to be Luke. Yeah. The only thing that made us think about the fact that it could be someone else is, oh, they're putting deep cuts like Cobb Vanth in here. Yeah. And also, you know, um, is, is Mark Hamill capable of doing this? So those two things strike against, but you know, narratively, yes, it was always going to be Luke. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it it just it made perfect sense. It was, you know, it, story sense. It's just I felt when he came in, it was a little bit too overpowering to have Luke Skywalker's back in the last five minutes of this, and it robbed some of that emotional arc for, of the Mando from the show for me. I think because mm, mm. um, I was too pumped by Luke to sort of feel the close of the Mando's arc so keenly. Mm. I guess um, I I don't know. Um, but re- re-watching it, like, different things will come out of it for me, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's weird because what you're saying, it makes complete sense. And it it should have had that effect on me. But, yeah, like, when even even despite the huge distraction of, of Luke being there, that moment when he takes off his helmet and then passes, you know, tells Grogu to go to, to, go to Luke, that could not be more emotional. Like my, and my reaction to that couldn't be rawer, like regardless of whether Luke Skywalker is that like, to me that didn't take away from the emotion of that moment at all. You know, and if you accept, if you sort of go, well, this story, no matter how it ended was always somehow going to end with Mando giving the baby to the Jedi or whatever, then I don't know. I just, I, to me, I don't like, I don't see how that moment could have been better than, than what it, than what it was. But yeah, I mean, you know, you look at, well, I wonder what the first show was that, that kind of like, obviously JJ Abrams is credited with the mystery box because of that, the Ted talk where he talked about the literal mystery box that I think it was his grandfather uh, gave him and that he never opened. Um, but 
you know, you go back to The Prisoner in the 60s, uh, Twin Peaks in the 90s, um, you know, more recently uh, Mad Men and people coming up with that insane, you know, John Hamm is D.B. Cooper fan theory. Like there's always been these these shows that either invite fan theories because of the sort of gaps they leave, consciously leave in the storytelling, like The, the Prisoner, or that people just latch onto obsessively enough to come up with these sorts of fan theories about like, like Mad Men. I, I, I suppose what, what changed with the Mandalorian is, you know, if, if a Rubicon was crossed with the Mandalorian season two, it was that the speculation came true. Um, it was that fans speculated that their favorite character might show up and he did. And it, if it changed things, it changes things in the sense that, yeah, it, it emboldens people uh, to think that maybe their crazy fan theory will come true. So in, in that sense, I, I guess there's something to that. What do, you, what do you think of that? It's probably important to remember the writers of a show owe you nothing. Um, mm. And Luke only showed up because Favreau and Filoni are the same as everybody else in wanting that to happen, wanting that to, 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 you know, to take center stage. Um, I guess the Marvel writers are a different breed. Um, <laughs> anyway, and, and, uh, and going forward, who knows what we'll see. Um, but, you know, I think the reaction to both shows has been good, hasn't it? And for different reasons, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah and uh, yeah, the, they're, as I've said again, they're very different shows and uh I, I just think the fact that we're doing this podcast is hugely encouraging i mean these are these are the first two real live action shows that that you know for from star wars and marvel on disney plus mm. and the sky's the limit it looks like mm. you know they've just been commercial and critical hits they the weekly drop thing is as far as i'm concerned working for them mm. um like you know, no Mephisto. I, I couldn't give a shisto. Um, <laughs> like, it's a, like I really, you know, it's, they've 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 both told great stories, and uh, and yeah, I'm I'm on board. Yeah, I guess what's important to keep in mind going forward is, yeah, like just because the Mandalorian ended with Luke Skywalker showing up, mm. it doesn't mean every Disney Plus show is going to end with. Uh, we, talked, we, we talked before about well how how will people turn Falcon and Winter Soldier into a you know uh, into a fan theory fest and it's like well I guess it'll be when's Captain America going to show up uh, you know and things like that and you know just because Luke Skywalker showed up at the end of Mandalorian season two doesn't mean like Chris Evans is going to show up in the Falcon and Winter Soldier um, <laughs> yeah you know it doesn't mean that the next season of Mandalorian is necessarily going to end with uh, a huge. A huge cameo um, with with Han Solo. With Han Solo, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like you know, in a sense, and maybe you know, maybe this is a case of trying to put the genie back in the bottle, and that, and that's, and that's what people are saying is like, yeah, but that's, you know, they've set the bar now. But yeah, to me, like the mark of whether or not I I liked the Mandalorian season two because to me that felt like a satisfying conclusion to Mando and Grogu's journey. I yeah. didn't I didn't like it just because Luke Skywalker showed up and and saved the day. And I think if we get into a situation where fans are, are liking shows or basing their enjoyment of shows on whether or not there's a cameo, I don't think we want to be there, you know? No, like I, that's I, ridiculous. I, yeah, because to me it's like that 
is very rarely going to have anything to do with the quality of the show. You know, the Luke Skywalker situation, I would argue, is like a, a rare case where the cameo made complete sense. Narratively, it almost would have made less sense for it not to happen. Although, yeah, I mean, whatever. I'm sure it would have been fine. Um, but, but yeah, it, it does. It doesn't become a pre a prerequisite for for these for these shows moving forward. Yeah, imagine if the Mando cast had been out there though, mm. talking as much nonsense as the WandaVision <laughs> cast. <laughs> Well, that's what a lot of this comes back to, right? Is like it's not yeah. it's not just that Luke Skywalker showed up that made that made you think that, you know, that made fans think like there was gonna be some huge cameo. It's because Paul Bettany was literally out there saying there's gonna be a huge cameo in, in WandaVision. Yeah. That's not the Mandalorian's fault, you know? Yeah. And that's and that's not it's not even it's not anyone's fault. Like ultimately you watch the show and you're just like, Well, that was funny. Like yeah. that was a, that I, was a good troll. As you, as you said to me in a text, like you, it was a print interview, but you can imagine the shit eating grin on his face when he said it. <laughs> it's just like it's such a Paul Bettany thing to say in retrospect, yeah. and you can totally imagine if tone, his tone of voice when he said it. And yeah, yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's hilarious to me that that cameo turned out to be Paul Bettany. But I can see where other people would not find it that funny, and you know, I find the Quicksilver thing annoying. So like, there's you know, there's yeah. levels to this. But um, hmm. yeah, it was, you know what it was? It was the perfect storm. Uh, hmm. you know, it was, yeah, it was. If these guys were, t- were teasing big cameos and we hadn't just been given Luke Skywalker and the Mandalorian, we wouldn't necessarily have been letting our expectations get as sky high. That said, if the show was just rolling along every week and the actors weren't doing it, I don't understand why the actors were allowed to do interviews and talk about stuff like this. <laughs> while the show yeah. was airing either. I feel like I would have just kept them wrapped up in cotton wool for eight weeks. But anyway, yeah. um, you know, without without that angle as well, the mere existence of The Mandalorian would not have people necessarily expecting a huge cameo at the end of yeah. at the end of WandaVision. It's like they're, they're weird mirror images of each other, these shows. Like Mando managed to keep Grogu a secret, managed to keep Luke a secret. You know, everything it did, everything it, referenced was just a lovely warm bath of nostalgia it was like here's Cobb Vanth riding around in Boba Fett's armor on Anakin Skywalker's pod racer engine and there's 88 and there's 99 and there's R5D4 and and here's you know that piece of it there's an imperial troop transporter yeah childhood remember from your childhood and it was all (laughs) lovely and it wasn't sort of going anywhere but everything like that in one division was like you know we're we're teasing big cameos we're not delivering on them and also here's a here's the label on a bottle of wine and here's a fly and here's (laughs) um here's evan peters and you know look at all these things what could these all be meaning you know there wasn't any meaning attached to anything in the mandalorian when it stuffed things stuffed its shows with that kind of content mm, yeah but there was there was mystery box meaning in everything that wandavision did and i guess that's what makes you feel like a dupe mm. at the end of it because it didn't go anywhere it was all it was all red herrings mm. it, yeah it reminds me like it's it's funny to me that we're like an hour and a half into this and we're only just sort of mentioning this angle of it now but i mean the way you just described that it also goes for a lot of the sequel trilogy right like this mm, is yeah. that was that was the 
the discourse around the sequel trilogy and you know what we were just saying it before about like well hang on why are we acting like the fans were the crazy ones for thinking that quicksilver was going to be important this is exactly the same argument that i've made in the past about uh ray like if you go back to last jedi era discourse is what i'm saying um you know it's fine that she turned out to be like quote unquote nobody but let's not act like the people who watched the Force Awakens and followed all the hype around that were crazy for thinking that she was going to be something. Like let's not let's not pretend that Lucasfilm didn't throw any fuel yeah. on that fire. Uh, it's natural that people jumped to like, well, who's Ray? Like, who could she be? And it drive it drove me nuts at the time, and it still drives me nuts when you see this now. When people are like, Ugh, crazy fans, like you know wondering about who ray was and stuff and it's like the movies wanted you to do that like the that's the force awakens wanted you to wonder who ray was like that wasn't i don't know uh so to me like the the wandavision thing is a bit like that as well and it's a it's a case of like i i don't think the fans are just doing this stuff Mm. completely without any sort of prompting from the media that they're talking about yeah and and ultimately like you know I don't want a situation where we're pinning all our enjoyment of a show on which cameo happens at the end of it. I don't think we should be just completely discouraging like speculation and fan theories and what have you. Yeah. I mean, part it's of fun. it's Yeah. Yeah. Part of that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like part of the, and it's a natural, like if you're watching an ongoing story, if you're watching any sort of story, it's natural that part of your brain kind of starts to wonder what's going to happen next. Where is this going when it's drawn out like WandaVision or when it's drawn out for three years or four years or whatever the sequel trilogy was, uh, it's natural that you would, that theories would develop and take on lives of their own and, and Mm. whatever. Yeah. The key thing is just like, you can still enjoy WandaVision. You can still enjoy the sequel trilogy. You could still have enjoyed Mandalorian season two. If Luke didn't show up, you know, these things do not suddenly become bad because your theory didn't come true. Sometimes they're bad because they're just bad, but (laughs) but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I I don't know, Baz, are we, there's some interesting, interesting points we made in there. We, we haven't reached any kind of resolution, but that's okay. There is no resolution. (laughs) It's like there was no Mephisto and no Reed Richards. That's right. We built (laughs) expectations that this conversation was going somewhere and then we subverted those expectations. Yeah. It's pure chaos energy. Like That's right. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Rowan Williams. I'm Baz McAllister. And what is a podcast about Marvel, if not a podcast about Star Wars persisting?